Welcome to Joint Effort with Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. This podcast covers the pain and injuries that are associated with muscles, ligaments, and joints. Welcome to another episode of Joint Effort. I'm your host, Jason Sullivan, here with Dr. Matt DeWall. Welcome aboard. Thanks, Jason. Thanks Good for to be having, here. Yeah, thanks for, having, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Um, all right, our task today is to talk about revision total joint replacement. A really boring, long name. We're going to get there, but I want everyone to get to know you a little bit first. So Sounds good. We were kind of talking before this, and I was, uh, uh, you have a wife and two kids. Yes. And I was actually watching this documentary about sustainable living, sustainable food, how you can do this uh, on your own. And I got to thinking that I know Jen has a nutritionist background. Correct. And I got word that she's, you know, you, you grow some vegetables in your basement maybe. She's very nutrition-centric yeah. focused, yeah. which is funny because, you know, knowing you and we talk all the time, it just doesn't... You know what I mean? It's not your thing, but it's clearly her passion. Right. So right. T- tell me about this. Are you eating from produce in the basement, or how does, how does this work? <laughs> basement produce sounds bad, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, uh, she's got, uh, it's called a tower garden, and it's a hydroponic water system with grow lights, which sounds shady in other ways maybe, but uh, she grows a lot of lettuce and herbs and kale and spinach and all sorts of stuff down there. And you're just growing that? Correct. Nothing suspicious. No. Okay. Fair enough. Although and, I wonder when you know the UPS guy delivers these things, if it's you know. Yeah, but he's what, starting to what, wonder. What are we getting? Yeah. Here? So, and you've had this on your your plate for dinner or lunch, yeah. and yeah. does it taste like it's just from the store? Or? Yeah. No kidding. You don't notice the difference. Probably better. It's fresh. It doesn't go bad in your fridge right away, and it's good stuff. So we don't need to have something outside to grow healthy, nutritious, you know, no. a meal. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, another thing, you know, so you have two kids and you live on a huge pond. Correct. And all, I, all you ever show me around the OR is these, these massive fish that your kids catch. Yeah. The funny thing that struck me was, I think it was your four-year-old was throwing pictures of this. And I, I, my kids are like 9, 11. I haven't even taught them to fish yet. So, you know, you're a pretty outdoors family. You guys like to get outside and you're yeah. teaching these kids all sorts of skills. Take them fishing and hunting. And, again, that kind of rolls into that uh, sustainable food thing at times. <laughs> So when you when you take them hunting, if you get a deer, are you guys eating the entire deer? Yep. Okay. Yep. And uh, you're only shooting at big bucks. Is that how it goes around? Iowa? No, no. <laughs> kids, kids, kids don't get that picky. Can they? Can they take a doe? Yeah. Oh, they can. Yep. Both my kids have got a doe this year already. So. With the bow? No, with a gun. Okay. I thought it was only bow season. No. Okay. They have a kids' gun season early on. Okay. But you're waiting. You're picky. Kind of, Fairly yeah, picky. yeah. I don't need any more deer meat right now, so. Okay, so when you're in the blind and you see nothing for six straight hours, are you thinking about revision total joints? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last thing you want to think about. Correct. Okay. Well, let's let's get into some of the reasons why, and and, and they can be super super difficult. Um, uh, before we get there, how how did you get to ortho in the first place? You're from Iowa, Pocahontas. Yep, grew up in northwest Iowa. Population of mm, about two thousand. I grew up on a farm outside there. And we have two orthopedists in our group from Pocahontas. Yes. Chances of that are super slim. Well, when it's a great town like Pocahontas. We have a know. nurse as well, and then yep. all sorts of good people from Pokey. Yep. That's a good Pokey plug. I, 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 don't, I don't think I've met a dishonest person from Pocahontas yet, so you're doing something right there. So then where'd you go to undergrad? I did undergrad at Iowa, and okay. I did med school at Iowa, and okay. I did my residency at so, Iowa. All right. So that's like every other podcast I've done where I've been just as like Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. But... As mundane as that is, that's kind of an elite education right there. It is. It um, is. Especially <clears throat> in the orthopedic world. 
professionally world-renowned right. uh, group up there. Um, so then from there, you went to Australia yeah. for a year? Yep. So I was there for just over a year with my wife. It was before kids, but uh, I wanted to do a fellowship, and having been Iowa, 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 mm -hmm. the uh, opportunity to go somewhere different was uh, appealing and got set up through one of my mentors at Iowa to do a year in knee surgery in Sydney, Australia. Was that a tough sell for Jen, or was that? Uh, no, she was on board. She was? Yeah. Okay. And after you did it, was it just the best year of your life? Yeah, it was good. It was, uh, you know, life-wise, culture-wise, uh, training-wise, everything was good. Okay. And so going to Australia, is everything the same as in the U.S.? or is it? Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, it's, it's funny, as you would know, you go through residency and then you go to fellowship and you find just in general there's, even if you did it here in the U.S., there's different ways to do things. You sort of come out of residency sometimes thinking that's the only way. But then the healthcare system in Australia is different than ours, and so, you know, there was a lot of new stuff to be learned. Yeah. Do they have a socialized system there? They have a combo, so they have a private and a public healthcare system. So Really? Yeah. Does it seem to work okay? Yeah, I mean, just like anything. I don't know there's any one right answer there. Right. Okay. So, yeah, the, I think one of the most interesting things about orthopedics in general is that you take the two, two guys who are really well trained, West Coast, East Coast, wherever, and they might do the same procedure and get there a totally different way. Yeah. Uh, so I can imagine that you brought some of those experiences from Australia back to Des Moines and yep. you probably still implement some of those things. Absolutely. So your practice, um, I'm fairly familiar with it, is is primarily adult reconstruction, which means total hip and total knee replacement, and you also do everything in the knee, which includes ligamentous reconstructions, meniscus work, and things like that. Yep. Uh, in addition, we all take call, and so you do a fair amount of trauma. Correct. Um, I actually remember you, you don't remember this, I was a fourth year rotating at Iowa, you were the senior on trauma, so you looked kind of bleary at the time. <laughs> but someone made the comment, they're like, that guy right there, that you of your senior class you were like taking trauma in the summer They're like that guy's a stud yeah that was always the uh that was kind of the badge of honor if you right. picked to do 11 weeks of trauma during the summer at the university of iowa your senior year that was the nobody wanted to do it but if you got first choice you had to pick it because it was if you went if you shot away from it yeah. you were labeled yep so did you pick it then uh, i actually got second choice and the guy ahead of me didn't pick it oh so shamed forever yep okay and so i took it well, I just remember that, and I'm like, okay. And then you joined this practice, and so did I. I'm so I'm like, you know, your, reputa your reputation preceded you, even though I didn't work with you. Um, anyway, so let's talk about this. So the word revision in general, everyone knows the definition of revision, but when we're talking about knee and hip replacement, we want them to last forever. Right. But we know they probably don't. Right. What are the reasons that a, a total joint wears out? Well, it can be just that. It can wear out. You know, there are parts of the joint, whether it's a hip or a knee, that can wear. Usually it's the, you know, the poly, the plastic parts that are there. But there are other reasons it can need redone or revised. You know, it can be insta instability. It could be loosening of the uh, implants from bone. It could be something like infection. So there's a number of reasons why a joint would need revised. So in general, most knees and hips both have that poly insert right yeah between, most yeah between the metal components correct um and that that for a long time was considered maybe the weak one of the weak links in the system yeah is that fair to say yeah i think so um 
and those materials have gotten better over time. Yeah, I mean the the makeup of the materials, how they're you know sterilized and how they're stored, and all those things have have improved significantly. The problem is maybe the poly seems like the poly science in the last ten to fifteen years got a lot better with cross length and things yep. like that. Yeah. But the revision you're seeing that are loose and having problems, my guess are things that wore out maybe 15, 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. I uh, mean, we see a lot of joints done 15, 20 years ago. Some right. still working well, but some obviously needing redone. So when someone comes to you in the office and they had a joint replacement 20 years ago, um, let's say they had a knee replacement, what are the typical complaints so people understand along the way when they have a joint kind of what to look for there's some normal aches and pains with the joint replacement that can be just kind of what it is sure and then there's some things that can be alarming or you need to seek attention what what would you tell people i think the biggest thing is just a significant change in how that joint's been functioning so you know you had a knee replacement most people although it may not be perfect would say it's much better than the old one was the arthritic joint and that continues to function for you know x number of years i think the the concerning finding would be something that is significantly different or worse. It's it's hurting more, it's swelling more, it's feeling more unstable or giving out more. Those kind of things would be a big red flag change. Okay. And if you see someone who's telling you those things in the office, what, what, how does your workup go? Obviously, you talk to them about those things you just mentioned. Right. And then what else do you do to kind of figure out how we attack this? Just like anything else, you start with the you know history, like you said, in the exam and, and see what their joint looks like, feels like. Can you tell an exam if, if things are a problem? Sometimes, yes. I mean, you can, and especially if it's a patient you've been caring for for a while and you can yourself remember or notice a change. But then it goes to, you know, x-rays and uh, sometimes other studies like a CT scan or a bone scan would be used as well. Okay. So if you get x-rays, what do you look for in x-rays where you kind of say, okay, this joint's going downhill? Well, you can see, you know, a decrease. For instance, a knee. Let's go look So at for a knee, you'd be looking at, you know, that space on the x-ray that's representing the poly that's there, if it's narrowing down, if it's wearing thin. And then you can see other signs between the metal implants and the bone, whether they seem to be loosening, whether they're changing in position. Okay. And if uh, for, for a lot of people, in regards to the knee, traditionally knees are cemented in the metal, Most often, the metal yes. parts. Yep. So <clears throat> you can sometimes see maybe a little cement mantle uh, and then the implant and then the bone, right? So there's a couple different inter interfaces you can look at and see. Correct. Um, if you see that you just see on one side of the joint the, the spacer, which you can't see on x-ray, but the space is narrowing, um, and someone's not that symptomatic, can, can you watch it, or do you have to do revision surgery? No, there, there's plenty of times where if you don't see, you know, their symptoms are mild or not having symptoms, and you see some degree of that wear, it's certainly something you can watch, and uh, that just depends on, you know, what the surgeon or you feel is right and the patient wants to do, but maybe just telling them to monitor their symptoms and take another x-ray in a year or six months or two years or whatever you think is necessary. And on the flip side, what if you see that the metal components or the cement mantle is loosening and you're, you're, you're seeing some kind of um, shadows there? Is that a more pressing situation where you kind of recommend, okay, we need to... I, I think so. I think often then the patients are having more symptoms, but certainly and if your symptoms would be mostly pain pain swelling yeah okay. um, but certainly in that case you don't sometimes want to let it go too far uh, there are some cases where you can continue to watch that if their symptoms are mild 
but uh, you worry about bone loss or bone destruction to where it makes the eventual revision more difficult and the possibly the end result not as good. Okay. Hips and knees are a little bit different in their mechanism. When you say wear, you know, we say it so frequently in ortho, but to help a person understand, you know, what is bad about, you know, this, this wear, like what is the like the poly kind of like flakes off and describe kind of what it does. So the the big problem we think is that, you know, the the plastic, the poly wears, and it wears in very small particles, which are irritating to your body. So your body tends to certain cells eat those up and get rid of them. And we think that in doing so, then that can, you know, eat up some of the normal tissues as well, which then causes problems. Okay. So ultimately you want to preserve as much native bone as they have as you can have for your revision correct uh, and that gets into my next question you know uh, what is so difficult about revisions everyone thinks oh it's you know it's it should be just like doing a regular knee or hip replacement well, you know what are the factors you're thinking about ahead of time that you just can't account for well there can be any number of things you run into um, whereas you know primary arthroplasty may be, although there's possibilities of unusual things happening, it can be much more sort of uh, standard or run-of-the-mill. Every revision is probably different, and it just depends on how much of that normal tissue is still there, is still useful, both bones as well as, you know, ligaments and other, you know, structures around the joint can become compromised. So you've just got to have more, more options, more planning, and uh, often take things a little more carefully. And your OR time, I, I, I would guess, can be completely variable. Yeah, I mean, there's simple, easy revisions, and there's ones that are, you know, several times longer than a standard knee or hip. Right. Let's talk about so the the, the knee that's loose, and, and it, sometimes those components almost fall right out. You know, they're easy mm-hmm. to take out. Let's talk about a, another reason for revision in a hip. Let's say like a hip dislocation and they've been put back in place a couple times and they keep dislocating and so um, let's say it was something done a long time ago and their soft tissues have gone downhill and they keep dislocating um, that revision can be kind of simple and in some context if you just have to change the cup but what if you have to take the stem out in the hip is that that can be that, that you can get into kind of quite a hassle to getting that out correct? yeah i mean uh, if you have to take out well-fixed implants that are not loose you just like you worry about uh, your body or the reaction to wear destroying bone you have to be careful not to do it yourself Uh, sometimes for a hip for example you actually have to cut part of the bone away to get the implants out and then repair that when you're done and again that can prolong both surgery time and possible complications but also recovery time Um, in general what's harder to get out a cemented stem or a press fit stem in your experience just depends does it really yeah okay but most primary total hips are going to more of a press fit technique, is yeah, that right? Yeah, non-cemented bone and growth. Yeah. You think there will be a day where we're, we're seeing like very few cemented, or are we already there where you just see very few cemented? I think the hips? vast majority are uncemented today, though I still do for, you know, older patients with poor bone. Okay. Um, another type of revision that no one wants to talk about, but it, it's infection. And so it's one of the things you counsel people about ahead of time when you do a total hip and yeah. knee. And I've been a part and seen how difficult those conversations can be. So selecting the right patient so that you don't do them any harm and minimize their complications is a big deal. It is, and I think it's 
become more and more of a big deal over the last few years. I think as orthopedic surgeons, we know more about that today than we did when I started 10, 12 years ago. So give me some parameters that you look at that you say, hey, we really should optimize these before we do a replacement. I mean, the ones that you can control, one would be weight. I think that's the probably biggest one and sometimes the hardest conversation to have, but uh, there's some better studies lately about obesity and BMI just as a risk factor in general for complications. Um, diabetic control, if people are poorly controlled and their hemoglobin A1C is off the charts, I mean that's something that can be modified and make the risk of infection lower at the time of surgery. I think smoking is another one. How do you handle smoking? I think everyone's a little bit different, right? It's I, really hard to tell a long-time smoker they can't smoke. It is. But sometimes it's almost necessary to have that conversation. I think it's handled differently by every surgeon, and personally it's not a <clears throat> in and of itself deal breaker for me, but uh, if they're a smoker and heavy and diabetic, you know, you start to add up these things, then you've got to see which ones you can work on. Okay. So let's say someone comes to you and you're concerned for an infection. Um, we kind of just differentiate between something that happened very recent mm -hmm. and something that's kind of happened over time maybe. Um, how are those handled differently in your mind? Well, with a, an acute infection of a prosthetic joint, there is some degree of treatment where you can not have to remove the entire joint and treat it just with irrigation, debridement, and perhaps changing some of the modular parts of the joint and either suppress or cure the infection. The chances of you being able to treat that, you know, acceptably if it's a more chronic infection go down. Okay. And why is that? Uh, you know, the bacteria get a better hold. Sometimes they even infect the bone. You get what's called osteomyelitis. They get a more of a what's called a biofilm on the implants themselves, which can be difficult in all those kind of small places of the joint to eradicate well. The biofilm thing kind of baffles me. You know, when you're looking straight at it with the knee, you think, why can't I just scrub this yeah. and get rid of it? But it's, it's like its own organism in and it of itself. Right. It's kind yeah. of set up. It's not going anywhere. Um, so do you... If you've just recently done a knee and somehow you think they're infected, that's probably the best chance where you can get in there, wash things out, retain your initial components. Correct. And that's a big deal because if, if you can't retain the components, walk people through kind of how you, how you get from an infected total knee to a good revision total knee that's not infected. How yeah, does that go? It's, it's a big process. So if you, if you don't think you can treat it with a one-stage treatment like we've talked about and you have to do what's called a two-stage treatment then it involves taking out those implants which often are not loose so then you run into all those issues we just mentioned about preserving bone and things to work with later uh, you've got to get rid of those implants and get rid of the place we think those bacteria are living often we put in a temporary sort of implant but made of uh, you know some cement with antibiotics so it can deliver antibiotics locally. And they can kind of function then? Yeah, I mean it kind of holds the place of the joint but we often don't let them walk on it and they often, yeah. if it's a knee, need a brace and things like that. And then treat them with intravenous antibiotics often as well with the help of the infectious disease doctors. So they'll have an indwelling pick line sometimes? Yeah, usually for a couple months. And if we follow them along and it appears the infection is cured and going away, then usually, you know, eight to uh, 10 weeks down the road, you can hopefully come back and then put in that new revision joint. And do you usually wait, 
you kind of wait for the infectious disease doctor's blessing and then you kind of look at the soft tissues and then yeah there's there's a lot of checking you know it's both the guidance of the infectious disease doctors as well as looking at uh, blood work we can do and then even sometimes using the pathologist at the time of surgery to look at the tissue again okay overall any revision all comers is the success of a revision as successful as a primary total joint I would say probably not. Um, certainly that's what we're shooting for. We're shooting for it to be so just as good. It can happen. It can. Instance. It can. Um, but I think just in general with the patients often that much older, I think the tissues are often that much you know, less quality, and the implants and types of things we use sometimes aren't quite as high-functioning. So. Okay. And as we get to uh, a population that is so much younger, we're seeing so much worse osteoarthritis and late 30s, 40s. Um, so a lot of times they don't have much of an option. Joint preservation, you do you do that in your own practice. And if you deem that that's not going to be successful and you think, you know, they've tried all these conservative things and they're miserable um, and you're doing a knee or a hip at a younger age, is it more important for them to pay attention to the certain restrictions you put on that joint so that they're not sitting in a situation they need a revision? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a uh, kind of double-edged sword there. The active young patients want to be active, which is why they do it. Um, so certainly you don't want to tell them not to do anything. But I think kind of common sense stuff, often lower impact exercise, you know, trying not to do things that uh, put them at higher risk of tearing something up, having a fracture or other injury, and, and then also trying to keep themselves healthy and keep their weight down and things like that. Okay. Um, in general, what percent of your practice do you think is revisions? Uh, probably 5 to 10. And do you think it's going up? Yeah, I think so. You do? Will it reach a part where, point where the primaries are so good and the implants are so good that it stabilizes or goes back down again? Or do you think just with the population as it is and the amount of joints we're doing... It'll keep going up. Uh, I think maybe percentage-wise it'll kind of equalize, but if you look at the number of joints projected to grow, you know, total joint arthroplasty in the next 10 to 20 years is, you know, going to grow hugely. Uh, I think there's going to be, even if it stays percentage-wise even, it's going to be a significant increase in the numbers of revisions needing done. And I guess last question is, that you know, everyone finds some of these unexpected things in clinic to be, you know, out of the routine, maybe a, even a hassle to some extent, but does this keep you intrigued as to, you know, you're solving problems differently almost every time with a revision? You know, you kind of have to have a bunch of different, yeah, uh, you know, tools in your bag to figure this out. Like, in some respects, once you get to the OR, I'm guessing it's a fairly rewarding case. They are. They can be. They can be uh, kind of pull your hair out and sweat a little bit cases, but uh, for the most part, yeah, it's, 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 fun and interesting to do some of this too okay well we appreciate your time uh, thanks for having me I don't think people realize uh, in, in terms of our group which is a really large group you handle a lot of these complex problems and uh, it just kind of goes towards your character and, and your skill set and so uh, if you can handle hard revision you can handle primary uh, I, that, I, that's what you know the old adage is I think and I so, hope so um, I think that's fairly evident here from talking to you today um, thank you so much for your time we appreciate you coming on Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks for listening to Joint Effort, a podcast from Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. If you have questions about this podcast and wish to schedule an appointment with the surgeon, call 
224-1414 or visit dmos.com.